This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, we'll open up anything on... Yeah, go ahead, grab the microphone over here. Same way, like, you pushed your wife, I guess, into becoming a college teacher. Yeah. If someone doesn't have, like, people in their life, like, pushing them to, like, reach their potential, how can someone do that on their own? So, a good question. How does somebody push or get pushed, right? So, a big... I mean, I think, you know, when girls are dating, they always say that they want a guy who has a Rebbe in his life, right? Why? Why is that so important? So, part of the reason is because a Rebbe is somebody who's... He's there not just to like be like, oh, good job, but also to push and encourage people. So it could be friends, it could be family, it could be mentors, could be, you know, Rebbeim, Rabbanim, whatever. There's somebody in your life who's pushing you to be, you know, to be a bigger, better version of yourself. There was a certain shul that I once went to for Shabbos. I came in and I see this huge sign. It's like a CMHS. So I said like, oh, what? you know, I was like, what is this? Is this like Dafyaimi, whatever? They said, no, the Rav's policy in the shul is that membership is paid with money, obviously. And two is you have to pick a Masechta every single year to make a Siyam. So membership, you want to vote, you have to finish a Masechta every year. So the beginning of the year, they say, like, let's say Rosh Hashanah time, I think they actually do it on, on Sukkot. They say, okay, everyone pay your dues, and I'll pick your Masechta. So guys, write down which Masechta they're doing. And every single week, the Rav goes to each guy to ask him what Dafi is up to, to make sure that he's like moving along, right? And at the end of the year, when they make some um, Chastaira, they make not only some Chastaira, they also make a Simashas, the whole show. And he said, the Rav did it the first year. And the second year, I believe they made four, they, they finished four times, finished Shas four times the, the second year. Huh? Well, it's 60 Mishnayas, but it's like, it's 2711 blot, 2711 blots. It's a lot. Okay. It's a lot. So each person in the beginning was like, whatever it is, how many people? 50, 60 people. Point is each person had to take one masakta and then people got into learning and it was more and he started pushing them. They were like, I'm up to daf this on this and this and this. And people, it, it like lit a fire under the people. That's, a, that's a real rub. That's a rub who hops. His job is not just to like give a speech and sit down, but to like be of the people in, his shul to like to grow and to and to develop so it's by the way it's not just reserved for for men um shas is but but the idea of having like a relationship with you know with with a rav is not just for men right i think that it it's the world is you know there's enough talented people out there for people to really connect to and say what do i need to work on or how can i you know grow or develop or whatever the case may be it's not just like that like oh i have a crisis can you talk to me you know what I'm saying? I think that's, yeah. So friends, family, Rabbanim, good way for people to connect with people. We have a question on the thing? Yeah, go ahead. Hi. Um, it was really very inspiring. It was very moving. I always love your talks. Um, the the concept of like superficiality, um, I was just noticing this um, last night. Um, I was at an event and I was looking around me and like as much as like I, I really do try to, you know, have that like not be so into all the gospel and really focus, but it's so it's all around us. Like everywhere you look, everywhere you turn, it's it, we got to such a, you know, like superficial world. Everything is so about like materialism and, and cars and, and fancy things. Like it's very nice that I want to, but 
it's, there's such a like societal thing. It's not like, you know, commendable to do all the like from things. Like everyone's like, huh? Like I just had this with something specific and I was like, oh, I don't know if it's this. I don't know if I should get it. And someone said, of course, of course you should get it. And I was like, I went back to the tunic. I felt like it wasn't, people are not pushing for, for the from kite. People are kind of like used to the right. superficial. Right. Okay. So do, do I need to repeat the question for the, yeah, no. Do I need to repeat the question or it's going to be on the thing? It's going to be on the thing? Okay. So to answer the question, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Okay. My, my father always used to tell me this story when I was younger. So my father learned, um, in brisk by Roberto Soloveitchik. And my father always would recount how Roberto Soloveitchik would give a shear in a room that was probably smaller than this. And it was like, you know, like a tree stump, you know, growing in from underneath the table. And it was just like, people sitting on little tiny stools and everybody had their pocket Rambam and their pocket Gemara and, and their little notebooks. So they would be sitting there like juggling little thing. And there was like 75 people jammed into a room. And story goes was that he was making a Shadduch with somebody very, very wealthy from Switzerland. And this man came into a barrel's house and he looks around the house and he's like, is this the whole thing? And they're like, yeah, this is, this is the whole room. This, the room is the house. There's like not, not much more to, to what's going on over here. And, he he said, you know, if my daughter is getting married into such a family, obviously there's the yichas and there's the chashivas, but I don't know necessarily. By the way, I have to say that briskers are very medactic on stories. So if somebody's listening and they're brisker, I'm probably butchering the story. I apologize. You can email me all the details correctly. Okay. But this is the way I heard it. Um, <laughs> so it was something you should know, like briskers, if you ever marry a brisker, like they're very medactic on stories, um, like all the details. So he said to Rivera, I don't know if, you know, my daughter's not used to living a lifestyle like this. She's coming into your house. She, this is not how she grew up. She grew up like, so Rivera said, I was very mockbid to teach my kids, not that you have to live like this, but that you can live like this. So they know in the back of their minds, this is something that you can do. There's no question what you're saying is true, that we live in a world that has so much, so much gashmias, so much gashmias. At the same time, a person has to know that that is not the icker, right? At the end of the day, that is not the icker. Um, you know, I think COVID taught, taught that to us, right? With all of our weddings, like people are getting married in, in backyards and front yards and on in driveways. Like that's how, you know what I'm saying? What's, what's the main thing? The main thing is that a person at the end of the day is happily married. Somebody has a baby. What's the main thing? The baby's healthy and the mother's healthy, right? That... Like, we can't lose sight. Like, the bugaboo is not what's important. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, yes. Un- I don't want to say unfortunately. Baruch Hashem. Hashem granted us a dar where there's tremendous amount of affluence. And people have a lot of, you know, things in their life. But that challenge, the challenge that comes along with today's generation is not losing sight of what's really, really important. So, if somebody can't and they're crying because they can't have a poolside barbecue you know, up Sharon for their kid and, you know, with a 47 piece band and lights and, you know, a whole stage with like those LED, you know, jumbotron screen screens, then they don't, their perspective is off. You know what I'm saying? Then they, they don't see the world and what's, what's hush of like, what's important. I, I once said this story that in one week I had like a wedding here in America, just like very ostentatious wedding. I mean, we're talking like, people hand rolling cigars and giving them out and it was so over the top again 
I don't smoke, I don't drink. So this stuff didn't speak to me at all. But people were indulging, like really enjoying themselves. Like it was like this wedding was probably close to four or five hundred thousand dollars. Like crazy, crazy. They had twelve different singers. It was a very over the top wedding. And then right after that, I had I flew to Israel, and there's a person who I know who lives in Meisharim who invited me to their wedding. Now it happens to be that I wouldn't have flown in. I happened to be there by this wedding, and I came to the wedding. So he, he gave me the address, and I showed up. And it was a girl's school. So I thought like there was a mistake. And then, and then I, they were like, no, in the huts are like in the back. That's where the wedding is taking place. So I walked through half the people eating there, eating. I'm saying eating. They're eating like a bilkala. Like that was, that was it. That was, that was the smorg, the main and the dessert. They were eating bilkala. You know what I'm saying? That was like literally the whole thing. Half of them were homeless people who the guy was like, Oh, come. I'm making a chasna. You need some food. Yeah. I'm about to come in saying, like, what's the question? Okay. They didn't have one band, nothing. They had two Hasidish guys that were singing kaach saif. That was literally, that was the entire, like whatever. And then, then the, the, the Talisar Rebbe came. The dancing was two guys not singing they sang maybe another song. Like the whole wedding, I was like, where's the like where's the main course? I'm saying it was like just the same bilkala, you know, with like like it came out like little bowls of salad. Like it was mama's like the whole, entire wedding probably cost under a thousand shekel. You know what I'm saying? Like there was like nothing to this. And and I was talking to the father of the chasan after the wedding, and I was making a joke. Um, even before, before the chassan and kala came in, I said, by the way, in my broken Yiddish, I said, um, you know, I'm a chassan, Rabbi. If, uh, if your son, he was like, <laughs> I mean, his, his son's like 16 years old, you know, like, like, Rama's like real, the real deal, right? And at the end of the chassan, he turned to me and he goes, he said, he said, you know, like, Lumaisa, it was like a real, like, time of the simcha here, no? And I, it got me thinking, I was like, He's right. The mice say he's right. There was no bells, literally no bells, no whistles, no food, no nothing. I'm saying there was nothing. There was no, I didn't see a photographer. What else you have by a wedding? A food, a photographer. Flowers. Fla- forget flowers. I'm saying there was no flowers. They were eating on 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 folding tables from the from the from the school. They just brought it out into the huts. That was the whole wedding. You understand? No, it was not during COVID. This was a regular wedding pre-COVID. Nothing to do with COVID. No, yes, exactly, okay? This was worse than a COVID wedding, okay? In terms of the Gashmias. But in terms of the Ruchnias, there was like real Simcha, there was real Kedusha, this couple's happy. What's real? I'm saying, what's real? We can't kid ourselves, what's real? I know, it's funny, you're like, yeah, of course, it's COVID. No, it was not COVID, it was before COVID, you know? There's a certain a certain realness to to how people see the world, so... Is it an assign? Yes, it's an assign. The other assign is also very hard when people have absolutely nothing. That's also very, very hard, right? And the Gemara talks about it, right? That Hillel is Machai of the Aniyim, right? That Hillel who had nothing, he's Machai of the poor people that they should sit and learn and they should have the right perspective on life. And the Gemara goes through all the, all the Tanayim and Amarayim who they were Machai of the people who had a lot of wealth, a lot of this, a lot of that, or a little, a little. Every person has to, you know, deal with the Nisayan. It's true. It's an assign. I think, you know, people would probably rather this Nisayan than maybe some other Nisayanists, the Nisayan of having too much money. You know, people always say, like, strike me, you know, like, like, test me, you know, no problem. So yes, Baruch Hashem, we're being tested with this Nisayan. And now it's, it's a matter of, of standing up to, to see if we're able to keep our perspective. Yeah, for sure. Anything else? Yeah, go ahead. 
every day you should think about being like higher and connecting to those midos and connecting to your neshama. What do you mean by that? By channeling for a few minutes a day? Like, what should you think? I'll give you an example. A person gets angry. Just stop for a second. We all know when we get angry, right? We all know when we get angry. Ask yourself, is my anger ilah or tita? Is it high or is it low? If it's low, then just, just be honest with yourself. Let's start with just basic honesty. Be honest with yourself. With yourself. That was low. I got angry because my car got a dent. Be honest. Like, just say it straight out. Talk to yourself. Date yourself. I, I just had anger on a low level. How could I use my anger differently? Talk to yourself. I'm on a mission. Hashem controls the world. I'm putting myself into a mindset. What's the mindset? The mindset is that there's a kal yachal. Hashem is everything. And he has a whole master plan for the whole world. And he embedded within me a piece of him. It's on a journey. And therefore, the way I see the world, my perspective on, on everything, has to be in line with that. Where is there a real place for anger? That That's that's the answer. Or, where is there a place for simcha? As you live your day and as you go through your life, like periodically just stop and ask yourself, like, am I seeing things? Am I processing things? Am I feeling things? I think the key is feeling. Am I feeling things on this level or on this level? Just ask yourself that question. And then it becomes by rote. So next time, shouldn't happen to you twice, but next time you get a dent in your car, you're like, eh, no big deal. Next time something happens, no big deal. I remember somebody once asked Robert Berkowitz, this goes to the question that was asked over here also. They asked Robert Berkowitz, is it okay if a very, very wealthy person, and he wants to like redo his house, he wants to do like a $100,000 bathroom. Is there anything wrong with that? That was his question. So Robert Berkowitz, who lives in Sanhedrin Merchava in a fairly simple apartment. He's not living in Tom's River with a pool, okay, mind you. Um, he was like, yeah, like a guy has that kind of money? Like, 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 yeah, Shem blessed him. I mean, if he wants to spend it on, on his family and he'll enjoy it. Like, he said, but just one thing. When you get to that level, this is what he was telling his tummy, then when you get to that level and you're doing that construction and there's a little chip on the back of the toilet, when the guy brought it in, he dented it, whatever. Just, just, just don't lose your mind. Like, just remember what's really important. You know what I'm saying? Don't get so caught up in your gashmias that, like, this is the icker. I would hope that you've worked on yourself to the point where you really know what's important. Okay, you want to enjoy your life? Fine, no problem. But at the same time, who are you on the inside? Where is your panemius at? Where is your where is your moral compass? If if it's not pointed north, then little things will annoy you. The wrong, let me say it better, the wrong little things will annoy you. You know what I'm saying? The things that should annoy us is like a breach of tzniyas. The things that should annoy us is like is like is like when kedusha is just thrown out the window. Achil Hashem, that should annoy us. And oftentimes it's like, oh, stay calm, stay calm. Don't say anything. We don't want to ruffle feathers or, you know, like this is not the time. Sometimes you have to at least, if you're not going to make a public spectacle about something, at least it should bother you. This bothers me. This bothers me. This is an injustice. It bothers me. Let the right things bother us and let the right things make us happy, not vice versa. It shouldn't be that the things that make us happy are a new coat and a new car and a new house and all those other things. And the things that make us sad are when all those Gashmiya stuff go down, up and down and up and down. That's what makes us happy or sad. We're, this is not like a Robin Hood app that like every, you know what I'm saying, as it goes up and down, you know, our days are happy and we're sad based on, on, on the stock market. 
We should be happy and sad based on us being in control of our emotions, about feeling the right feelings because we've developed, we have real perspective. And by the way, I'll share with you just a little insight. When people say das taira, what does that mean? I believe this is what it means. It means that a person sees the lens through learning taira, living, as I work with it, living taira, living with the right perspective on your life. So you're able to share wisdom, chachma, through the right lens. Should I fight with my brother who's crazy and just stole money from people? Or should I make up with him? This person has a mental illness and they're destroying the family. Should we remove them from the house or stay in the house? These are major decisions. Who makes those those decisions? Somebody is able to weigh the pros and the cons, the heaviness and understand with real true empathy and real sympathy and be able to really understand all parties, what they're really going through and give over a perspective that's glat and yashar and it's sweet and it's nice. And sometimes they have to be hard and sometimes they have to be softer and sometimes they have to be more aggressive because they know when to pull and when to push. These are all midos that have a time and a place. And I think that that's the key. They all have a time and a place. But if we don't practice, if we don't exercise them, then what happens? Nothing. It becomes tita. It becomes low. We just connect to all the low stuff in our life. Because we've got a broken mug, we get upset. And we got, you know, somebody rips their pants and we get upset. There's always going to be the thing that pulls us down. And, and, and what he talks about is that by default, it's low. By default, it's low. You have to raise it. You have to pull it up. You have to elevate it in order to make it better. Good? One more. one more question. Okay, let's do this one more. Um, how can you tell if the feeling I have is low or high? How can you tell if the feeling you have is low or high? So I think this goes back to the first point, the idea of being real with yourself, dating yourself, and, and, and knowing yourself. Sometimes, many times, a person needs outside you know, people to ask, hey, can I bounce this off of you? This is what happened. Was I wrong to be upset or was I right to be upset? Was I right to be happy or was I not? Should I have said something or should I not have said something? These are like very valid and legitimate questions. Herbert always used to say that he would hope that after all the years that his Talmudim stay, you know, learn in the Kolel, that they not only learn to develop, you know, Shilas Vachuvas questions and answers in Hilchas, you know, whatever, maybe Basabachalov, Taruvas, Malicha, Shabbos, whatever, right? But also in Hilchas Ben Adam meaning that a person develops the right perspective in life for themselves and to be able to guide other people, to be able to see the world in, in, in the proper way. And it's true. Most people, I think that the question itself is an important question. How does a person know? The answer is you can't always trust yourself, especially if you might be biased. So you have to bounce it off somebody that you trust that they maybe have the right perspective on life. It could be a friend. It could be a rub. It could be a coworker. It could be a therapist, somebody who, a mentor. It could be somebody who you, trust that they maybe have the right glasses on in their life. And, and I think that that's the key. We live our lives and we think that this is who I am. This is my truth. Just accept me for who I am. And there's no whatever. And sometimes we need to be open to hearing from somebody else. No, I'm sorry. I think you made a mistake there. You shouldn't have said something. Okay. I hear that. I made a mistake. Be honest. You know, uh, one of the things that therapy is in a certain sense is opening up that panemius. Right? People say, I want to open up. What does it mean? I mean you want to open up and, and delve into what's going on underneath. What was your inner motivation? Why did you make that comment? Why are you not being more, you know, forceful? Or why are you not giving more to your spouse? Or why are you withdrawing? Whatever the case may be. That's pnimi. That's all the way on the inside. Sometimes you need somebody to be able to help you understand what that is. So having somebody in your life who's able to do that, very wise skill. 
it's not just for yeshiva guys to have a rav in their life. It's for everybody to have somebody in their life that can help them make sure that their glasses of their life, of their neshama, is seeing the world in the right way. Because ultimately, that is the reality that we live with for all nitzchi, for all eternity. It's something that takes a lot of work. doesn't just happen by default. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.